this series we're in uh, called uh, DCK, Deny, Carry, and Follow. And the reason why I say this because it's, we're, you know, through that song uh, we're singing, you know, God, would you take us? Take us into those places that our feet would never wander. Take us into places that we wouldn't even think of. Take us into places that, 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 that uh, you want us to go and we, you know, we will, we will be there. We have this sense of obedient hearts. And I pray that's the spirit of our hearts today, of each and every one of us sitting in here, that, that that's what we want more than anything. And I get it, man. I get, and, and I hope, I've said this before and I will always say it, uh, I get how hard it is. I get the struggle. I get that our human nature clashes with our spiritual nature. Uh, I get, you know, when Paul writes about that in Romans where he says, you know, the things that I want to do, I know the things I should do, but, you know, essentially it's not those things I do a lot of times. Uh, you know, I, I want to do what I want to do. And there's this clash. And he says, who will save me from this? And it's blessed be that it's Jesus Christ. And so I pray that that's what each of us have discovered in here, that, that Jesus is the one that enables us to deny ourselves, to pick up our crosses daily and follow after him. And he uses us then. He uses us. We're saved to do good works. He uses us in ways that brings him glory, that touches other people, that, that connects with other people. If you've been reading the 10 second rule, uh, this week we're going to be looking at obedience, really. It's, it's acknowledging that there's this authority above us, that there's this authority that exists, which is Jesus Christ, the one who died on the cross like we talked about last week. He died on the cross. He was placed in the tomb. But what really makes all of that come to, you know, come to fruition is the resurrection. It's the resurrection uh, that, that, that makes it all, that validates it all. And, and we have that, the spirit that raised him from the dead lives inside of us. That spirit, the Holy Spirit is the one that directs us. I pray, I pray that we understand what it means to live spirit-filled lives. I pray that each of us really understand and connects of what it means to live in obedience to the Spirit. The Spirit is the one that communicates to us. The Spirit is the one, the Holy Spirit is the one that directs us. And we're able to be used by God in ways that we could never imagine. Ways that our feet would never wander. Ways that we could never even dream of. Now, I want to take us to a story just to kind of illustrate what we're going to be talking about this week with obedience uh, and, and obedience to that authority. I want to use a guy by the name of Noah. Many of you guys, many of us, uh, if not all of us, probably have heard the name of Noah if you haven't. Uh, it's a great story. It's one that takes a lot of faith to buy into, though, right? And Noah was, uh, if we look in uh, Hebrews chapter 11, uh, verse 7, uh, we read that by faith Noah... When he, when, when warned about these things, not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family, and by faith, he condemned the world and became the heir of righteousness that comes by faith. And I'm not sure if we got slides. The next, do we have Hebrews 11? Or the reference? Nothing. Okay. So you guys remember that. Lock it in. Hebrews 11, right? 11 verse 7. 11 of Hebrews talks about, is often called the Hall of Faith chapter. It talks about men and women who live by the Spirit, before the Spirit was really given. They lived by the direction of God. They were these people that walked. Their feet wandered in places that they would have never imagined, but they followed God. They were obedient to God. They, they understood who God was and they followed Him even when they didn't understand. Even when they didn't have all the answers, they stepped out and followed. Noah was one of these guys. It says, by faith, Noah, when warned about these things, meaning that God was going to bring destruction on the earth, 
that he built an ark to save his family, and by faith he condemned the world, and he became the heir of righteousness that comes by that faith. He he obeyed. He demonstrated his faith by what he did. He uh, through his through his obedience. Now. Noah was the guy that we would say he saved the world, right? If you read back in Genesis, God was very, I think it's one of the, again, a very sad passage in the Bible. Probably the sad, you know, the saddest passage, maybe, in, in the Old Testament where it said, where God actually looked at humankind and he said, I grieve that I even created them. Isn't that something? When we think about Jesus Christ, when we think about the extent in which God himself reaches us with His love. We think about this this love that was demonstrated on the cross. In the Old Testament Genesis, He had this moment where He come, He says, you know, I, I, I grieve that I even created man. I grieve it. Because they're doing, they're just running about doing their own thing. They're living their own lives. They're doing anything that they want to do. And God was grieved and God said, I'm going to destroy the earth. And He said, you know what, and, and this is the great thing that we read about in the Old Testament and through the Bible is that whenever God would destroy, uh, would destroy people, per se, that were, that were um, against Him, people that were uh, enemies of, of Him, whenever He did that, there was always a remnant of people to carry on the promise, the covenant that He said, that He promised back in the Old Testament. And here we see the same thing. He goes to Noah and He chooses Noah to build an ark and, and, and essentially to save the, the mankind, the remnant, right? Now, let me ask you a question. How did he pick Noah? Why did he pick Noah? Why did he pick Noah? Noah, out of all the people, Noah was picked to save the, to save the world, essentially. He wasn't going to save the world, but he was used in the process, right? Why would he pick Noah? I want to talk about that today, but let me ask you this question. Would he have picked any one of us sitting in here this morning? Do we struggle so much with living in the moment of the Spirit? Do we struggle so much in the sense of allowing God to take us in places we've never been? Do we struggle so much in that that when God, just like we're reading about the 10 second rule, where God wants to touch someone, where God wants to reach someone, where God wants to minister to somebody, you know, can He look at us in a drop of a moment and say, you, I want you to do this. And call us by name and say, because he knows that we're going to move. He knows that we're going to be in action. He knows that we're going to, we're going to be mobilized as soon as he says something because that's the type of people we are. That's what he saw in Noah. And it says in 2 Chronicles 16.9 that the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth that he may show himself strong in behalf of those whose heart is perfect toward him. God looks at our hearts. God looks at your hearts. God looks at my heart. That's how He knows. That's how He knows when He says, hey, I want to reach this person with my love and grace. I don't want this person to live separated into eternity, in a Christless eternity. And I know that I can call upon this person, this child of mine, and they're going to be mobilized because they're living in obedience to the Spirit that I've placed inside of them. Does that describe you? Does that describe, you know, that's a question I ask myself. Does that describe me? Am I am I that sensitive to the moving of the Spirit within my life? That God will be able to use me in any way He can, any shape or form. Will I be able to hear that? Will I be able to see that? Will you be able to hear that and see that within your life? What are the conditions where you say, well, I'll do this, but only up until this point? Or God, you know, I'm here to follow you. I'm here to do this, this, and this. But, you know, you got to kind of work around my schedule a little bit here, you know? But listen to what it says in Genesis chapter 6, 5-7. through 7. It says, When the Lord saw that man's wickedness, this is what we were talking about, was widespread on the earth, and that every scheme 
his mind thought of was nothing but evil all the time, the Lord regretted that he had made man on earth and he was grieved in his heart. He remembered what he did and he was grieved in his heart. Then the Lord said, I will wipe off from the face of the earth mankind whom I created together with the animals, creatures that crawl and the birds of the sky, for I regret that I made them. What a sad passage. But he chooses Noah to preserve a remnant. He chooses Noah. He's going to wipe everything out off the face of the earth and essentially kind of start again. And he chooses Noah because of Noah's heart. And the first thing is this that I want to share with you is that God uses people who will obey. God uses people who, who will obey. Those are the people that you may say, well, I wish God would use me to do stuff. Are you the type of person that will obey? As soon as God says something, you're going to obey. Are you capable of hearing his voice in the drop of a hat? There's a neat story. If you, those of you that know Anthony Campalo, he's a... Um, He's a professor at a um, at a university in, in uh, Pennsylvania, a sociology professor. <coughs> Excuse me, but he's also a Baptist pastor and he or a preacher. And he's spoken uh, many of uh, some conferences that I've been to. Very passionate when he speaks. I mean, he is just like so very challenging. Uh, really is motivated, kind of in this whole realm of what we're talking about, moving when the Spirit leads with him. The story goes that he was going to another university to speak. And so he goes to this university, and as he gets there, there's some men that, that approach him and say, hey, we're going to go back here and we're going to pray. And we would, you know, would you like to come with us so that we can pray about what you're going to speak on? And then, and then, uh, you know, we'll just pray over it. And, 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 and so Tony was like, he often goes by Tony, Tony goes, uh, so absolutely, I'd love to do that. So he goes back in the room with them and they begin to pray, much like what we do with the elders before our service, where we pray and ask God's presence to just manifest himself in a very powerful way in our services. That's what they were doing through, through what was getting ready to take place. And so as they were back there praying, someone prays off the cuff and they say this, Dear God, would you please, and Lord, would you please help Bert Harris... Because we know that he's getting ready, you know, he's getting ready to leave his wife. He lives up there on the hill in his trailer. And we know that he's getting ready to leave his wife. He's trying, he's deciding on leaving his wife. He's going to leave his wife and his family. And he's just going to, to, to leave them. God, would you please intervene? Would you please do something and make something happen? And so they continued on. They prayed. And the evening went about, you know, where Tony gets up and he speaks and he does his thing. Well, it comes time to leave. So Tony gets in his car, he's leaving. And as he's driving by, he sees a hitchhiker. And as he's driving, he picks, he pulls over because he's convicted. And, and, and so he says that as a Baptist preacher, it's an always an opportunity to have someone in captivity to speak to about, about God and the Bible, right? So he pulls over, he picks up the hitchhiker, and he begins to talk to him. And he says, you know, hey, my name's Tony Campalo and... Uh, such and such, and, and so they begin talking, and he, you know, he says, you know, and, and what's your name? And the guy says, my name's Bert Harris. Tony doesn't even say a word. He goes down, he turns around, he starts going back towards where he came from. Bert's like, where are you going? He said, Bert, I'm, ta- Bert, I'm taking you back to where you came from, the trailer up on the hill where you're getting ready, where you are getting ready to leave your wife and your kids. And the guy was like, turned white as a sheet. He had no clue what was taking place. So Tony goes up and he drops him off. And he leaves them there, and the story goes that God reconciled that family. Obviously, it would. Bert was pretty scared to death how uh, this guy would pick him up and know everything, know a lot about his personal life, 
And so he goes back and the story goes that he gets back with his family and God mends things, reconciles things, and the family's back together and their marriage is restored. What a powerful story. What a powerful story. Coincidence? Do we have any coincidences in the house? We would say, oh, it's a great coincidence. Or do we have people that would say, that's how the Spirit of God works. How many of us in here could say I, that the, the, the things could just work themselves out to where that would happen just by osmosis? Or just by coincidence, these things would just line up. Where, what about the Holy Spirit coming in and speaking into Tony's life? And Tony's the person to be able to listen to the, to the heart and the pulse of the Spirit of God, forcing him to pull over and pick up this stranger, and God using that to mend this family back together again. Tony would go on to say this. He would say, if you will make your life available, God will wear you out. How many people in here are wore out because of the things that God is using you to do? Isn't that convic- That's convicting to me. How wore out am I? Because God is reaching down to my life and I'm living in, a, in such an obedient way that I'm able to be moved and mobilized as soon as God moves. How many of us are worn out because that is what's taking place within our lives? God uses people that are available. That's a simple truth. That's what we're trying to do through this whole little book study of the 10-second rule. It's to just draw our minds back to the reality, to the truth that God has saved us to do exactly what this book is telling us to do, exactly what the Bible's already telling us to do, to be mobilized by the Spirit of God. It's so easy, though, to get wrapped up on our own lives, to get wrapped up in the things that's going in our own lives, the schedules that we've created, the things that we wanted, our desires, our passions, where we begin to forget, I need to deny myself. I deny myself, I pick my cross up daily, and I follow after Jesus, and I get worn out. Because God is going, because God uses me. Another person that God uses, another characteristic is this. God uses countercultural people. It says in verse 9 of Genesis, it says, In the count of Noah, we are reading, Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked with God. What a powerful statement talking about, talking about Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among his people, his, of his time, and he walked with God. A few years ago, we preached a message through uh, the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes. And we talked about it being a cultural, a countercultural piece. Because everything that we learn about in the Sermon on the Mount flies directly in the face of, of the culture in which it was written. In fact, when we even extract that out and we live by the principles that Jesus taught in the Sermon on the Mount, chapters 5 through 7 in Matthew, it flies directly in the face of the culture in which we live. The question becomes, do I become a person in which Jesus is calling me to be? Because at the end of that Sermon on the Mount, as we often call it, because Jesus spoke it from a mountainside, and that was like the inauguration of His ministry, where He speaks this sermon to the people. And after He goes through all these countercultural principles, and He teaches the people this, He says this. He ends with a story about about the, the, the person who built their house on the rock and the person who built their house on the sand. If you built the house, if you built your house on the rock, when the rains came, the storms came, your house would survive. The person who built on the sand, when the same thing happened, your house would get wiped away. Jesus said, so is the person that listens to the words that I just taught 
and you live them out. You build your you build your life up on these principles. And he says, and that's what it means when he says, anyone who has ears, let him hear. And it's not just simply, yeah, I heard it. Yeah, I gave it some consideration. It's listening to it and saying, I've heard it. I understand. If I want a family, if I want a life that's built on solid ground, that's going to survive the test of time, that's going to survive problems, that's going to survive the attacks of Satan, that's going to survive all of the things that wants to destroy destroy it, it's got to be built on the principles of God's Word, the principles in which Jesus taught. That is countercultural in which the, in the culture in which you and I live in. We go out into our world, and it is literally the antithesis of what the Word of God teaches. The question becomes, are you a pupil of that culture, or are you the pupil of this culture? Do you understand what it means to live on the principles in which Jesus taught? Do you, are you, do you live by that? Are you obedient to that? God uses people that says, I'm going to live by the principles that, that, that God teaches. I'm going to live and base my life upon those principles. Now, let's face it. We base our lives upon these. We're going to get ridiculed, right? I think we move from being ridiculed to even persecuted. We live in a culture now where it's, it's great to accept all other religions except Christianity. We've entered in this time where there's a plurality of truths now except for one, and that's Christianity. And now Christianity is under heavy persecution. That's what we face in our culture. Will we live under that? Will we say, you know what? I'll, I'll live in the face of that persecution because this is who I am. I am a countercultural person. I don't care if I'm ridiculed by my neighbors. I don't care if they don't look at me and they don't understand. I will continue to try to reach them. I will continue to be the person that God wants them, you know, that God will use to, to, to possibly reach them. But their ridicule is not going to make me turn my back on God or upon them. It's, it's, uh, I, I will, I will stand under the pressure of my family. Some of you have made decisions to follow Christ in the midst of what your family does. It's the, it's, it's the opposite direction of where your family is at. Your family may persecute you. Your family may ridicule you. Your family may not understand you completely because they're not basing their life on the principles in which God has, has stated. Some of our families, and let's be honest, they say that they base their life on the principles of God, but when it comes to living it out, it's a different story. It's more aspirational than it is actual. And some of you are facing that, but you're saying, I will still live under that pressure. I will still live under the pressure of being misunderstood. I will not conform to the culture out there. I will not fall to what Proverbs says that says, the fear of man is a trap. And so as Noah said in verse 9, he walked with God. He walked with God. Is that your life? You walk with God, meaning that you allow God to, to, you're in fellowship with God. You're in intimate fellowship with God, walking with Him, and He's able to mobilize you and use you in any particular time. The third thing I want to share with you is this. God uses people who follow Him completely. God uses people who follow Him completely. It's very interesting. In Genesis 6, chapter, or, uh, chapter 6, verse 22, it says this. And Noah did this. He did everything that God had commanded him. Let's face it, guys. We live in a world, man, where this whole thing, when it comes to the Bible, 
and kind of living out the commands and principles of God and the and what God the the foundation which God uh, calls us to build our lives upon. We've made it into like a smorgasbord, like a buffet. I'll choose a little bit of this, a little bit of that, maybe not that. I don't really like that. I'll do this and I'll kind of that. That's not what it's about. And Noah understood that. Noah did everything that God commanded. It didn't mean, it didn't matter what it was. It didn't matter if he understood it or not. It didn't matter um, what he if he agreed with it or not. He did everything that God commanded. And it says in uh, chapter even chapter seven verse five. And Noah did all that the Lord commanded him. Again, re- just continuing to say that Noah was all about that. Noah was all about doing what God asked him to do. And again living in the face of when people don't understand. He's out building this ark. He's out building this boat when it's never even rained. At that point in time, when you study it, uh, the ground was watered from underneath. There was, they had never seen rain, so his whole message was just ludicrous. Um, uh, just The whole thing didn't even make sense. But Noah did exactly what God commanded. The next thing and last thing is this. God uses people that never give up. They never give up. It amazes me. And this is what, this is what, this is what I think really kind of disturbs me or that, this is the thing that really makes me unsettled, my spirit unsettled. We're, it's so easy to give up. Now we don't give, I don't think we give up on God. I don't think there's people that, that, you know, that are sitting in here and you have, you have a relationship with God and, and you're, you know, you, you believe in Him, you believe in Jesus. I don't think you deny it. I don't think there's a point to where we would say, you know what, I just deny this whole thing. I, I, I just, it doesn't make sense to me anymore and I'm just, I'm done with it. I'm, and you kind of walk away from it. It's not really that. It's this other thing when we kind of get wrapped up in this whole thing and we just kind of, we get tired. We get tired. We get tired of being ridiculed. We get tired of facing adversity. We get tired of when we do things and it doesn't come out the way we think they sh- we, it should happen. We get tired. Some of you are spiritually tired. You've been, you've been in this. Your faith has been in it. Some of you, and, and when you talk to people, this is what's, this is what's very interesting, interesting and, and yet, and yet heavy, burdensome is that when you talk with some people, you, you, you listen to their life and it's like they're getting hit with one thing right after the other. Heavy stuff. Heavy stuff. And it's like those people you talk to, you could, you could almost think, oh yeah, man, I, how could you not get tired? You know, you're living in this, 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 this world, this broken world, and you're, and this person just getting hammered. Their family's getting hammered. And you try to make sense and reason out of it and you just, it, you just can't. And then some of us, we don't have that. We just get tired. We get tired of following Jesus at times. We get tired of having the, you know, we get tired of listening to, to being told what to do, kind of. You know what I'm saying? Where we, I'm standing up here talking, I'm saying, hey, this is what the Word of God teaches. I guarantee you there's some in here that are sitting right now, you're saying, I'm tired of hearing this. I know this is right, I know this is what we're supposed to do, but I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it. And so it's almost like we kind of dismiss it. I just want to say, don't give up. Don't give up. It is a huge distraction by the enemy that comes in our lives and starts taking you down a path where you're discouraged, where you're almost defeated, where your spirit is just getting hammered by the, by, by, by the, by Satan. I mean, you're, you're, 
It's so easy to allow ourselves to get to that point because we just get, we get spiritually tired. And typically what will happen is we start getting tired, we stop, we, 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 our prayer life becomes somewhat inconsistent, and then that just increases it. Our, our time in, in, in the Word, we don't have time to do that. And so then that just continues to make us weaker and weaker. And we just, it's just like we just want to give up. You're, it's like you're almost defeated. You're discouraged. Your spirit is down. You've been down for a while. And it's just like, I, I'm tired. Don't give up. Recognize where this, where it's coming from. Recognize that it's Satan trying to hammer you. Recognize that these things are the things that, that, that all of us experience and we need one another arm in arm to walk and to, and to, and to encourage one another to continue on to, to keep, keep other, keep each other enthused and breathe life into each other. Some of the things that gets us down are problems. Every single one of us in our life faces problems. The problem is with problems, a lot of times we'll face problems and then we look at the problem and we say, well, it's really the, the, this is the cause of it when typically this isn't the cause of it. There's always something else. And so we start questioning this out here and, and it's never really it. It's always something else. But we have these types of problems. Noah had these types of problems. Moses had these types of problems. Paul had these types of problems. When you think of the Apostle Paul, when he was advancing uh, the message to the Gentile world, he was shipwrecked multiple times. He was he was left for dead multiple times. He was beaten. He was rocks were thrown at him to the point where they thought he was dead. He was stranded on islands for time and time again. When you read about his story, I don't know how you don't look at it and say, "How did you not give up, Paul? How did you not give up?" How do you not? Because that's what we do a lot of times when we have problems within our lives. We start questioning the overall picture of things, right? Well, it's got to be this. How many of you, if you were in Paul's shoes, you would have said, hmm, maybe God's not calling me to Rome. Maybe God's not. Maybe this whole thing, I missed something in my prayer life. How many of us have friends in our lives that would say, hey, man, I think you kind of misread something here. Maybe you need to go in a different direction because it's clear that God's shutting doors and windows and everything else around you. Maybe you need to take a different look about what you're about. That wasn't Paul. Paul focused straight ahead. He knew what it was all about. He knew he was going to have problems. He knew the, another one is pressures. He knew he was going to have pressures and these pressures were going to be things that, that, that come along. But a lot of times we will look at pressures and problems and we'll say, man, these are too big for me. I gotta get, I gotta get away from these things. And, and instead of understanding that that is, that is the evilness, the broken world coming around us to deter us. And then other people, other people will tempt us to give up. Just give up. Just stop. Just quit. It's clear what you guys are doing is not right. You would never face these things. Guys, are you a type of person that God can call upon and use? You see, regardless of the issues and the, and the perceptions and the expectations and the criticisms, people that never give up, they continue forward. They face the same exact things. I don't know what's going on in your life where you may be experiencing these, some of these things or you may be uh, dealing with some of these very issues this week. Maybe you've been dealing with them for months. Maybe when you look at your spiritual life, if you were truthfully honest, if you were truthfully honest and you would back up and you would just back up and take a macro look at your spiritual life, you've been in a rut for some time. And you may, you may notice that you've been in a rut, 
But when you start thinking about why you're in the rut, you're placing all these points and indicators on things that maybe isn't the reason why you're in the rut. Maybe part of it is you're giving in to what, to, to deception. Maybe it is that we're, we give too much credence to those negative thoughts, to the negativity that's coming our way by living in a broken world that doesn't understand what it is that we're about, that doesn't understand what God wants to do in and through us. Maybe, just maybe, God's moving you. I find it quite interesting too that there are times when I know that the Holy Spirit is leaning hard into people's lives. And instead of submitting to the Holy Spirit, we will fight it tooth and nail. Fight it tooth and nail, regardless of how miserable our lives become. And we are convinced that it's all these other things, and it might not be, you know, we're, we're not, pot, you know, we're, we're, we're ready to dismiss that it could be the Holy Spirit putting a check on us to say, hey man, you need to dial it in. You need to dial it in. You need to come back. You're, 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 you're losing sight. You're losing focus. You're losing what you truly need to be focused on. Again, this 10 second rule book, as the, as the worship team comes back, and we're going to close with a song. This 10 second rule book is something that just hopefully you are engaging with it. I've heard many say that it's a very convicting book. I think why it's so convicting is because it's so practical. I mean, you read it and it's so practical and it just kind of hits you in, in a very practical way. But this book is, is essentially telling us and kind of sharing with us in a different message the same thing that the Bible is communicating to us that, that is the power of the Holy Spirit. Do you live in the power of the Holy Spirit? Are you convicted by the power of the Holy Spirit on a daily basis? Are you, if you, when you look at your life, would you say, I am guided by the Holy Spirit. I know that I live my life guided by the Holy Spirit. Some of us in here this morning, it is no doubt you are spot on. You have submitted and continue to submit daily to the power of the Holy Spirit. You recognize your humanness. You recognize your weakness. You recognize how you can get off and, and your mind can just wander. And your mind can just become attacked by the enemy. But you're guarding it. And you understand what to do to guard against that. Some of us in here this morning, maybe God's sending a message to us saying, you need to wake up. You need to clear the cobwebs. You need to get a new focus here. You're, 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 you're off and some of the stuff that you're feeling is because of this. Some of the stuff that you're thinking is because of this. You're not living fully in conjunction with me. Deny yourself. Pick up your cross, pick up your cross and follow me daily. I pray that, um, I pray that you would just uh, allow the Holy Spirit to have freedom right now in this room that, that the Spirit of God may connect with your spirit. That He may move you. That as you leave these doors, you're going to become a person that when God wants to use, you're going to be available immediately. You don't compromise the Word of God. You follow completely. You're made, you're, you're, you're available. You, you, you follow Him completely. You, you understand what, uh, the principles are in which to build your life on. And God is able to use you. I want to share something with you too. There are people sitting in here this morning. And you've had, they've had conversations with me. But they're being challenged by the book. And they're becoming more obedient and under, kind of seeing and sensing, uh, the, the Spirit of God move within their lives. And they're sharing stories that says, you know what, I just want to share with you 
this is what God's doing in my life. You know, I had this particular coworker. I had this situation happen in my life. I had this take place. And, and, and when I, I, I kind of saw it, immediately I thought, you know what? This is about the 10 second rule. And they literally, they changed their thought process and addressed that particular event instead of driving away from it, instead of moving away from it, instead of ignoring it, instead of saying, oh, that's a, that's a interesting thought. Instead of that, they became obedient and went and did exactly what they believed the Holy Spirit was doing, uh, leading them to do. And consequently, they, they're seeing the fruit of that and feeling the fruit of that. I pray that that would be each and every one of us in here this morning, that the Spirit of God would have that freedom within our lives, that, that, that He could mobilize us anytime He would want to mobilize us. Would you stand? And let me just lead us into a word of prayer as we uh, sing this last song. Father, I just pray this morning that uh, you would find freedom in this room. I know the enemy does not want, Satan does not want more than anything else is for us to be in complete surrender to you. It's so easy. It's so easy to kind of live and try to straddle that fence at times. Not that we're off committing these big sins, but Father, truth be known, our hearts aren't fully in alignment with you. We haven't fully came to that concept of surrendering ourselves to your Lordship. And at times we struggle with that. As humans, we struggle with that. Father, I pray that right now your spirit would just lean in and breathe into us. I pray that lives would be open, hearts would be open to the message that you have for us here this morning. I pray that we would no more, no more allow things to just kind of cross our minds and disregard them. Or things cross our minds and we become critical about it. Or things cross our minds and we don't really want to deal with it. So we just kind of shove it to the side. I pray instead of that taking place, Father, that when your spirit comes across our minds, our radars, Father, we would take it and we would allow you to guide and direct us in the moment and in every aspect of our living. I pray that you would just touch us here this morning. I pray your spirit would just be heavy right now upon our lives. I pray your spirit would be able to do the ministry that you that, that he has been that he does. That, that it is him. I pray that he would be able to move in this room with that type of freedom. And I pray that we would be people that would respond. That we would surrender. That we would be people that would recognize. And we would be people that would be known for our humility and our contriteness your spirit. And I just pray all this in the powerful name of our Lord and our risen Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.